welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Welcome to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. I'm Drew Jordan, and we are back. Another great interview coming up, but also uh, some things to take care of first really quick before we jump into that. Yeah, uh, major, major announcement from the boys down in Houston at the Riot Comedy Show. So we are uh, announcing, or we already have announced, our very first inaugural comedy festival, March 23rd through 26th of 2023. Uh, yeah. yeah, man, we're doing it. So uh, go to our web, you can go to our website. To uh, We're actually taking submissions now. We've already sold out of our first round of uh, tickets, VIP tickets. So things off and running, but uh, we're doing a national comedy contest that's that's basically your way in we're either going to invite you or you're going to make it in through this contest so uh 32 comics will make it from across the country and compete in front of industry judges i've already got one verbal commitment which is fun uh some big names in the industry so uh big big deal we, we'd love to have you submit we'd love to have you take part in it uh visit our website the or riot comedy festival Dot com and that's where you can find more information and actually apply and submit for uh, the festival yeah big stuff coming 2023 uh, still stacked lineup at the right if you're already in Houston a great lineup for the end of the all the way through the end of the year at this point so please come out um yeah you want to jump into uh, callbacks from our previous episode with Kim Congdon yeah, Kim was great. So much fun to talk with. Uh, and she came down and did the riot and was uh, was, was a great time uh, having her. But my, my the thing that really stood out for me, a lot of comics have podcasts, a lot of podcasts and sometimes not a lot of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and that's OK, though, because Kim's tip helps no matter what she said. I go when we were asking about writing, how do you write? She kind of drew blank for a minute. She's like, I don't really write. But then she came up with this really good tip. And it was she would go back and listen to some of her podcasts that she would record, like with Sarah Weinshank, for example. And uh, she would listen to points in or even go look at the audio track and see where she made her co-host laugh. And that would be the place where she would start for material. I thought that was really smart. So if you have a podcast, that's one way uh, to use that in your writing. Uh, something I found. What about you, Drew? Yeah, I like that a lot. I think a lot of people who are more... Uh, I don't know, less writing and more talking things out. Probably get that a lot with friend conversations and stuff like that. For me, the callback was how she got her job uh, with Impractical Jokers was that she ran into, I think it was Sal, I forget which one, um, at an event one time and kind of like swallowed her fears and just went up and said, hey, uh, if you ever have a put a packet together, ever accepting packets for writers, I'd love to apply. Didn't hear anything for years. Uh, and then he reached back out and that's how she got that job. And I think just a reminder, you know, if you're, you know, a newer comic and you're thinking, why am I not getting booked? Why am I not getting spots? You know, if you if you're if you're doing well and you're and you know that your your performance and your comedy is is good enough and, and really, you know, there, uh, sometimes the simple answer is just ask you don't get what you don't ask for sometimes. And I think it's really important to ask politely um, and, and don't put anyone into a corner, but I think you just, it's a reminder cause I'm, I'm pretty introverted. Maybe a lot of us comics are, it's not always easy to just walk up to someone and go, Hey, can I be on your show? So I don't know. For me, I try to ask, but also say, Hey, you know, keep it loose. Hey, if there's something, an opportunity in the future, I'd love to, 
not like on this day i want to be on this show then you kind of you kind of put them in a weird spot where they have to say no so yeah just asking for opportunities put yourself out there it's uh you got to do it there's no other way around it yeah step one get funny step two uh ask go for the ask uh absolutely and don't be weird i like that don't be weird that's (laughs) the real that's it. All right. So breakingdownbits.com is a, your portal and access to all of our podcasts. You can also catch them anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, I don't know, all the other places, plus YouTube. So check out those in our catalog of 52 episodes, I believe we have. And then also reach out to us. You can do it on social media. Follow us, tag us at Breaking Down Bits. DM us. We'll get back to you. We've got a lot of fun interaction there. We've even had guest requests and we've we've honored those requests. So maybe, just maybe, uh, we do the same for you if you hit us up at Breaking Down Bits. And then lastly, you can email us, breakingdownbits at gmail.com. All right, enough of us idiots. You want to bring in our guest? Yeah, let's do it. David Bory is a comedian, writer, and podcaster based out of Los Angeles, California. He's appeared on MTV, Showtime, Viceland, the NFL Network, and was named one of Comedy Central's top comics to watch in 2015. He's the co-host of the wildly popular All Fantasy Everything podcast, as well as Shining with Sam and Dave. He's written for Comedy Central, Fusion, and the SP Awards. And legally, I have to say, he reps Colorado real heavy, and he's never called the cops. Welcome, David Bory. That uh, that bio was not meant to be written out loud, read read out loud. <laughs> well, are you still? Since that bio was written, have you called the cops? Fuck no, man. I, I don't know. Oh, can I swear on you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, never. And I and I, I'm in Colorado right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's all it's all true. It's all true. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming and uh, and talking comedy with us today, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I guess first off, what we we like to start off with is just kind of hearing your story a little bit, how you got into comedy and then walk us through kind of the steps along the way that kind of got you um, some of your, your big opportunities and where you're at today. Uh, how did I get in? Oh, I guess I got into comedy. Do you guys know? Yeah, you know Sam, Sam Talent. Yeah, he was there like a couple weeks ago. So we were best friends in high school, oh, and no uh, after high school, we played football together and all that. And after high school, he was like, "Hey, you should come do comedy. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing comedy. It's really cool." <laughs> and I went to an open mic, and I was like, I just had like a job at the time. I was like, "Are you?" fucking stupid this is what you're i have a job i have to go to work tomorrow this is like a really bad idea and then like i got a dui and i moved to california a few years later and sam was like well you don't know anybody in california so if you do stand up and you suck you know you won't ever have to like see any of these people ever again and i was like all right that makes sense so (laughs) i wrote five and i went to a laundromat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> slash bar i guess it's gone now there's no more brainwash but wow. uh and i did my first set and then it's kind of like here we are <laughs> you know you have a, did you have a pretty good first set like what things kind of you felt confident enough obviously to do it again yeah the first i didn't bomb to like the fourth or fifth one and then it was too late 
Yeah, you, know, you already got the. You already got it. I already fucked up. You know, <laughs> it's an, a comedy is an addiction. Uh, it, it's a strange thing, and uh, it's hard to let go. It becomes. It quickly becomes a part of your. I don't know identity. I guess. Yeah, I wish I would have like started lifting weights or something. But <laughs> this has been good too. This is this has worked out for me. <laughs> so you kicked it off in a laundromat bar uh, in San Francisco. In LA. Oh, San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco. Nice. And then I guess I was still on probation in Colorado, so I had to come back all the time. Yeah. So I would come back and I would do shows in Colorado when I was back. So I kind of started out in two cities. And then from that, I just sort of saw that everybody was everybody that I liked or thought that was cool was touring. So I was like, okay, well, let me figure out how to do that. So I've been touring since like a year or two or something like that. Yeah. Some of your story, one of the stories on that Comedy Central show was about, I think, uh, maybe your first tour and you go out and you're, you're, you know, your friends are putting on shows in garages and, and also like a, like a, we did like a, like a, like a house party in Shreveport. That was a bunch of bad, bad shows. We, somebody (laughs) like straight up just disappeared with our money in New Orleans. A lot of bad, a lot of bad shows. But But you you know, you kind of got started there. You said you mentioned in that story that maybe there was someone that you knew that had done some some music tours, and so you just Sam kinda, Talent, yeah. Oh, it, that was Sam. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he like, so he started. He was like, "Well, I know you can do it like this," and like that was kind of at the time when a lot more people were doing DIY comedy shows. Mm-hmm. So it was like back then. It was like every every city had at least like the one good, not club like alt show that you could kind of do and then it was like a small network of people so you really got to know everybody everywhere and then it'd be like okay you were in denver doing too much fun but then maggie may was there from austin and she was like well i run the valve if you ever want to come down here and then you sort of start started to build a network that way yeah so that's that's how you just kicked off the touring thing was just connection by connection yeah, yeah, just like so. Yeah, I've been on the road pr- pretty a lot besides the last, besides you know the pandemic or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I've been on the road since like I guess I quit my job nine months in the comedy. So wow. t- 2011, I've been been going on the road since then. Wow, that's crazy. That's awesome. not like in a lucrative manner <laughs> or <laughs> anything like it. that. But yeah, but I've been going on the road since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so what, what was the next step or the next big, um, opportunity that came once you, you hit the road, you you got Sam talent on your side. That's a good start. That was a good one. Uh, but that's all kind of, nothing really came of that. Not that like I got better at stand up, but it's like, you're not going to really elevate like that. Uh, what happened to me was I was, oh yeah, I was doing an open mic. I was running my open mic in San Francisco <laughs> And uh, Hannibal Burris was in town, and he is always a guy who every time, you know, him and, like, Kanane and all those guys were like, I should move. And I was like, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I thought he was wasted. I was like, yeah, oh, I should move. <laughs> and then uh, he, he had told some people in L.A. about me, and he kind of, like, set up a run for me down in L.A. So I kind of went down to L.A. and did that run like the meltdown and stuff and then just kind of you know you start getting on 
people's radars down there and then you start going there to showcase more and then i ended up getting repped and then i moved to los angeles Nice. That's a pretty, that's a good call out. Like, uh, you know, newer comics, we always recommend go out and start your mic and open mic. And this is, a, this is part of the reason why these things happen. Yeah. And you just need a place that you can get, or for me at least, cause I was never like a big club comic. So I was like, I also started a showcase within pretty early of starting. Cause I knew that like, if I was going to get booked to do a showcase, I wanted to know how to do 10 minutes. That's what it was back then. So like I was always I've always been a fan of like when you're starting, get some place that you can get a lot of stage time and you need a place that like you're super comfortable at. You you know what I mean? Like you should go around and do all kinds of stuff, but like the idea of having a home base where you're kind of fearless and you can like try anything and like fuck up and like go through different stages, I think that that was really important for me as far as like because then it was like it was our neighborhood, so it was like it was the same people coming every week. Mm-hmm. So then you got to kind of like, once people start coming to see you, then you really got to be like, well, I got to do, I can't be doing the same thing mm-hmm. every single week. So it was like, it was like our version of having a club, of having a place that you wanted to kill and like you were known and stuff. That's yeah. a good. That's a good call out because you know we've had that with the riot and we have so many people that come back and we, I know that pressure that you're talking about. Yeah. And, and it's good to have that thing that's pushing you, and then you have the thing that's pulling you. Like you know, if, if you're if you're ambitious enough, you've got your comedy goals. But then you have something small like that that just keeps you hungry, keeps you writing, keeps you bringing out new material. That's a good call out too. Yeah, I mean, you should always because I mean that's the thing that I noticed. And I mean, look, comedy switched so much from when I, like, I think I, I started like twelve years ago, so it was like in a transition, kind of from like the older people to like the younger, like you know, like the generation of Louis CK, as far as a guy being like, I do a new hour every year versus these older guys who had maybe had the same act for 10, 15 years. So I think I kind of started in the transition of that, but yeah, you just, you, you need to, that was the thing I noticed locally is you'd see these people who were like built up their set, their 10 minute or their 15 minute, or even maybe their feature set. And then they were just like staying put with that waiting for that to do whatever they thought it was going to do for them. You know, there wasn't like, didn't seem to be a lot of like people trying to push it forward. Yeah. I mean, we feel that pressure at the riot since we we do that four nights a week. We hit me and Brian host a lot of those shows. Oh yeah. So in some ways we get the, the benefit of that place feels like I'm just as comfortable there as my bedroom. Like it's, it's my, it's my room, you know, in a sense when I'm on stage, um, and I, yeah, I notice it, I don't get as have as many opportunities to go out and do a lot of other things because of our commitment there. But when I do go in other stages, you notice how that comfort is not everywhere. You really do grow <laughs> no. something in your home club. Yeah. And it's like, and I mean, the thing about it is like the club system is like, I think maybe we've all just come up in a time that was different than the 80s and 90s and that there's so many more comics so it's not it's 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 pretty difficult to get that within a club like i remember people would say that when i was in san francisco but i was like yeah but you perform at this place twice a month if that why is that that you know what i mean like that's Mm -hmm. not you're lying to yourself but like now you can kind of make it right you made it for yourself and now you have that place where you can like because it used to be like because our place was called dirty tricks and it'd be like i'd like 
hammer because I was really anal about like if I'm going back to your city, I have to have a different at least seven than I had last time. Sure. Because it's like all I have is like this act. I don't have anything else. I'm not on TV. I didn't have this before I was on any podcast or anything like that. So all I had was like, you have to remember that I fucking killed and you have to remember that I killed in a different way than you saw me the time before. <laughs> so I would just like, whenever I was home, I would just always be at tricks, like trying to get, trying to get this new stuff off, trying to figure it out. And then I would kind of take that out. Yeah. So the big run, you said you got some, you got some opportunities, um, made the move to LA, got it, got a rep. Uh, yeah. I got rep, came to LA. And then I guess there it's like, LA is like whatever you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of hard because you get down there and you quickly figure out like, at first I got down there and I you take all these generals and stuff and they're like, what do you want to do? And they're like, and you're like, I only want to do stand up. And they're like, okay, why did you, <laughs> why did you come over here? We don't give a shit. So like LA is good for like finding out like, you know, like I wrote for some stuff and I did some acting and I did some other, and you just kind of like, it's good for figuring out what lane you want to take as far as like where comedy can take you. Like if you only want to do the stand up, you should go to New York. But if you want to kind of maybe explore where it can take you in other places, I think LA is good for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you said like an agent would get you just all these, all these, uh, opportunities to go read for 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 different things yeah they get you a lot of auditions or they get you the packets because that's the thing like in la it would be like oh if you were like whatever tier we all got the conan packet so now everybody's working on the conan packet oh fuck i'm so old dude uh, <laughs> i don't even know what the new cool packet would be <laughs> the late the cordon he's ending to the yeah. amber ruffin packet i don't know what it would be but you would get these pack late night packets and or whatever and you would kind of because that's like the first place they try to put you sure is late night or like or like award shows and stuff like that mm -hmm. and uh i did and a little got, bit of that and you got conan I got Conan. I did get Conan. I did get Conan. I got that though. I right place. Just being really lucky, man. I I had lived with Solomon Giorgio, and he had he had done Conan like the year before, and we were at Bridgetown, which is no longer <laughs> around. And uh, he told the Conan Booker to go see me because he knew him from doing it, and he told him that he would oh, nice. check me out. But that's how all that stuff works after a while. Once you get to like LA or New York, you'll kind of like people will hear about you if you're good. And then you kind of go from there. Yeah. I definitely think you create, you create your own luck. Right. And by, 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 yeah. being, the, by being the roommate, you've, it, what is it? What do they say? Preparation meets opportunity or whatever that is. Right. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. It's like that. And it's like, if you're out there, listen, if you're doing comedy all the time, you'll get the opportunities. You know what I mean? If you're just out, like a lot of people didn't really want to be, out like that you know they'll be like oh yeah i love comedy but then it's like i see you once a month <laughs> yeah. you know but if you're out and, and, and you're and you're trying you know what i mean you, it's, you, you'll it's, be all right it's called the scene because you got to be seen that's it unfortunately yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's unfortunate yeah <laughs> I, I think it was your conan performance that something happened that i don't know that i've seen anyone else do before but like you know those those kind of late night sets are always very, you know, prepared material, 
you know, it's the whole thing is that they have to go over every word and edit and it's all very pre-planned and you come out, I think it was the Conan set and you walk past your mark, past the light, you're in the dark again and you back up and it like, to me, that was such a, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that that was absolutely planned. <laughs> Cause that, no, 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 God, no, no, oh, I no, thought I not like, at all. So, that was so great. Cause you're like, you got to laugh before you said your first joke. And it was just you like doing the thing that, you know, when you're in a new room and there's some strange backdrop, you have to mention it and just like call it, you know, just let people know you're here. I think that's what you kind of did with that move. No, I was so, it's so funny when people think that, a lot of people thought I did that on purpose, which I was like, dang, I wish I was smart enough to have thought. fooled me. That's like a pretty good bit. No, I had just, I had just, you know what happened is like you practice it a lot, right? Like I had gone early to like see everything and then I went and actually did it. And uh, nobody told me he, he stood, he showed up. Conan showed up next to me like during the commercial break. Yeah. So it like really freaked me out. Like he was like, <laughs> he was like, "Hi, my name is Conan." I was like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, "You're gonna be really funny. It's the funniest part of our show." Just like he was just he was really nice. And then he went back. But then I was like, kind of thinking about that. And they pulled the curtain, and I didn't even. I don't know what I was looking at, man, but I just went past <laughs> and then everybody was like, go back, go back, go back. and then I looked up and I was like, Oh fuck man. And then in my head, in my head, I was already like, okay, the booker likes you. It'll take some time, but you can probably do it again. Like, you know what I mean? So I kind of thought it damage was control. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I was like, I already blew it. Cause I thought that it was done, but, and then they said they were going to cut it. They said that because you you do it in like the afternoon, you sure. do it at like four in the afternoon. Like I went to Outback afterwards, which is also <laughs> not very fancy. But like, and and he was like, he was like, hey, we we might just cut that, so don't even worry about it. And I was like, cool. And then I'm watching it, you know, at nighttime, and they no, did not cut funny. it. Yeah, it worked it was, out. To me, it was super interesting and funny. <laughs> no, I'm glad people remember it too, so that's good. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that was an accident. <laughs> yeah, sometimes being memorable is just as good as being funny. Sometimes I think I guess so because yeah, that was better than my opener. I felt like so. <laughs> <laughs> you should have the mic. If would have mic cable falls out, your pants fall down. You yeah, just without even telling a joke. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's the goal, right? To not have to say one fucking word. <laughs> I don't want to talk till twenty minutes in. <laughs> was conan was that conan opportunity one of the early things that happened for your career yeah it wasn't i had been on i had done some tv showcases type stuff but that i mean it's all cumulative man so it's it's mm. this weird thing especially back then there was such a like emphasis on everybody doing Conan, you know, there was such an emphasis on it. And I remember when I got it being like, okay, my life's going to change. This is my whole new life. And I was talking, and Sean Patton, I was talking to Sean Patton because he was one of those guys that when I first started was really established and was everywhere around the country. And like, so I just always looked up to like him and like Kyle and like Hannibal and stuff, but, and like Beth Stelling, like everybody at that time. But I remember talking to Sean and he was like, it's, it's fine, but it's not, nothing's going to be different at yeah. all. 
And I was like, okay, maybe for you, Sean, I'm a star. <laughs> and then nothing was different. Good call out, too. Go back and check out Sean Patton's episode. I think it was like episode 12 or something. I, I bet he had Kill Your Babies advice. is the title of that one. Uh, Kill Your Babies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is oddly uh, relevant these days. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys are in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the career kind of I like that idea that it is cumulative. It's not one thing doesn't make you. It's it's the cumulative effect of of all the all the progress you're making and all the opportunities you make the most of. That's I think a lot of times people who don't know and they're new to that big opportunity, you think, "Ah, oh, this is it." It's all Yeah. Around. I mean, and that might be and that that does happen for people, but oftentimes that kind of leads to like you don't want to skip any steps, right? Because mm-hmm. this isn't like, I think oftentimes people with entertainment business in general, a lot of times people make it like this fantasy thing. That's not like a job. This yeah. is a job. And it's so obviously it's cumulative and it's you having worked with people and never really been a dick. And like all of these things kind of come together to sort of build the opportunities that you can make for yourself in the future. So there's no like, there's not really, and, and, and in my mind, I've always, I never wanted to skip any steps. You know, I was yeah. like, well, let me try to do everything. And then, you know, process of elimination will figure out maybe what feels the best for me. So, but yeah, there's nothing, it's not like magic, man. It's just, you show up to work every day and you work hard. And then like, after a while, you know, you know, there's yeah. not like so many comics. I think they're like, well, if I put words under my stand up then i'll start because like there's nothing <laughs> worse there's nothing worse than the idea of like dude i've seen so many i've seen it in stand up so many times people get called up to headlining because something happened and then they weren't able to fill that gap of experience mm. and then they headlined for a year or two and then now nobody knows who that person is anymore yeah, that's a good, I mean, a good point, not skipping any steps ensures that you, you've you done the work to earn that opportunity and you're truly ready for it. Uh, yeah, because if you get called up too fast, yeah, you might not have the, you might not have, have endured or gone through the progress and the process that you needed to do to get there. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's like, if you like comedy, why, I wish I, I wish somebody had told me this. If you like it, then what are you in such a rush for? Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? You like it. You like going mm-hmm. out and doing it every night. You like getting better. You 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 take the level of importance as it comes. So when I was an open micer, open mics were like shows to me, and I wanted to do really good. And then like it just increases that way. But like, mm. yeah, if you like it, then who cares, man? Just try, just work hard. You know, that's a good outlook. I think the, there's just too much envy it's just such a real thing you know you have these yeah. friend, the friends get it and then you, you know you feel like i'm funnier than them or whatever those feelings are you just can't help it it's natural but I, that's a really good output uh, and i mean that i'm funnier than them thing is like <laughs> trust me that mentality won't you can have it but it's not gonna there's always somebody newer and hotter and y- younger and like funnier than them is like yeah to who Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Says who? Especially, especially when it's like somebody who who's done something to have earned a fan base. It's like I'm. Hey, you think you're funnier than like I don't know Joe Rogan or some shit? Tell that to the fifty million Rogan fans. You know I mean? <laughs> funnier than them? Nobody. It doesn't really. 
doesn't do, doesn't have as much bearing as you would like it to. Yeah. Have you done anything um, in your career wise to to capture and, and grow your fan base over the years? Any any kind of like tips or tricks that someone might be able to uh, to learn from in that respect? I mean, podcasting is really yeah. the only thing that took me from not selling tickets to selling tickets. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know how much I love podcasting <laughs> as far as what it's done for comedy. But, you know, that kind of, I mean, yeah, that kind of thing will help grow significantly a lot. I mean, a lot more than it seems like. A lot more like late night spots don't really aren't what they used to be, right? I mean, who even does it anymore, right? Corden does late night sets, but they're going away. Mm-hmm. Fallon does it, right? Does Seth yeah. Myers do it? I don't know. Very, yeah, uh, if if he does very little, yeah, very Colbert rarely. does it, but in a very Colbert is a player. weird one. He's not even yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I heard he's not there. So I mean, and so it's like now it's kind of like you got to go where the people are. So podcasting, I. But, you know, I've always been a fan of live performance in the way that, like, and I've seen it personally, is that if you come somewhere and you kill and people tap into it, they'll come, a couple people will come back for you. Uh You know what I mean? So it's really like you got to keep coming back. Yeah, as much as the internet and social media and digital content is super important for me, like I agree, like there's something really special about a live show that that nothing else can truly be. It is it is like no one is out there saying that like uh, watching Hamilton on Netflix is just as good as watching it on Broadway. Like it's a different experience, 100 percent. And if you value like what the craft of this is and what it can be, then you'll know that there's nothing there's nothing like seeing like a, somebody who's amazing at it live. You know what I mean? Like seeing Rory Scovel go nuts. Yeah. You know what I mean? All that stuff is like, does like podcast. I, I mean, podcasts are fine, but like the, the people who have the skill of it, that's who I've always wanted to be like. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's a, to me that live experience is so special because like any live experience, anything could happen. Anything could go off the rails stuff. Someone drops a tray of, of drinks, some drunk person's yelling something. There's, there's just so many more elements and that, that keeps it exciting because literally anything could happen. Yeah. And it's active. It's not like passive. Mm. You're in the room, you're laughing. You're like looking like, I don't know. And it's not, not that people can't do that. It's not just crowd work. It's like, people with jokes and stuff like that. I just think that like, I worry so much that stand up is moving away from the stage right now. Yeah. And so much of it exists on Instagram under captions and stuff like that. And it's like, I guess that that, but that's a different thing. You know, that's not, that's not the thing that I, I wanted to be good at, you know? Yeah. No, I think, I think there's still, I hope there's always going to be space for live performance and also opportunities as technology evolves to inject comedy and and fun into those places as well. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. And I like too that you have the the fantasy podcast, which of course taps into the sports world and you can inject comedy into that. We see that a lot with like history and other things. So it's good for comics to consider not just doing your traditional comedy podcast, but potentially if you're trying to reach other audiences, get into other genres, so to speak, like you've done. Oh yeah, I think so, man. I, I, listen, 
comics love to consume content about comedy, right? We all had, especially that first few years, right? Where you're just like, every episode of WTF, every- (laughs) Breaking down bits. Yeah, (laughs) no, I mean, but but like all that stuff is like so important. But like, I think if you want to build your appeal to other people, it's like, you have to be a more, because comedy is such a niche thing. You have to be a more uh, like, diverse more rounded person and have other interests you know what i mean normal people can't relate to you if all you do and think about is stand-up comedy so yeah a comedy podcast about comedy is only for certain people but which and there's a lot of people who like that sure but there's also and there's also like a comedy podcast about comedy is also so like Like this is done in a good way, but there's a lot of people who do them where they're they're they're, they're this weird like, uh, like mythologizing current mm. day comedy, uh. which I don't I don't particularly like. You know what I mean? Like you'll just listen to these podcasts and you'll and you'll be like, oh man, the comedy store must be the best comedy club in the world. <laughs> and then you and then you go to the fucking cellar and you're like, wait, what? You know what I mean? <laughs> like I think it's like all that kind of stuff is like dangerous you know so yeah start a podcast about sports or something that you like that's not stand up you know yeah i like that idea i think we've seen that uh successful in a lot of ways people doing you know there's the there's a bunch of really fun does ron funches have a wrestling podcast i'm pretty sure he does he must right <laughs> right he should that's- a you big know. miss. <laughs> <laughs> if he's not doing that on the regular, well, he's, he's someone needs to talk to his management. Yeah, that's that'd be crazy. He is wrestling now, though, which is insane. <laughs> so, hey, I mean, either way, I, that guy's that guy's nailing it. I remember I, when he was just a guy. Yeah, I'd pay to watch him do both. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly, yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's flip into into writing. Uh, the way we kick this off is we just watch a little bit of your material. I hope you don't mind watching yourself. We've got a one minute clip. I don't love it, but let's let's go. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> I'm not a very smart man. I recently discovered that for all intents and purposes, I don't know the difference between science and magic. I get the idea, like you take something in science, like photosynthesis. I understand the idea behind it. Sun shines down on the plant, chlorophyll plant gets tall, but that sounds like witchcraft to me and I feel you should be burned at the stake for it. And I think that my issue was that I grew up watching that television show, The Magic School Bus. word magic in the title how was i supposed to learn anything because they didn't explain shit on that show they were just like hey kids let's hop on this magical lsd bus it's gonna spin around three times now we're inside the body of a 35 year old man that's not science it's sex trafficking and it's a fucking crime Uh, sorry to step on your laughs there. But. No, it's okay. <laughs> That's good. I love those. To me, like I've always have a, a soft spot for like 
the stuff that I experienced in my childhood and just remembering right. back to those things. Cause it's so like you forget about it. And so it's like, but it's still stored in your brain. So it's like a time bomb waiting for a comic to come bring it up and it just explodes in your brain. You're just like, Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. 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 That's so much like that. Isn't that the fun part about comedy is being like, wait, maybe this thing was weird. Maybe this thing that we all just took for granted because we were children was yeah. actually kind of batshit. <laughs> oh man yeah the magic time machine uh, yeah, not magic weird. time machine magic school bus yeah it was a weird uh, that is that is a good place to mind for jokes just go back and watch old commercials and tv shows you used to watch there, there's no question you go back and you'll find nuggets in there oh Could yeah be- there's so much weird i mean shit's weird all the time <laughs> isn't isn't that stand-up though it's just that shit's weird all the isn't time isn't shit weird isn't shit weird isn't this whole thing kind of fucked <laughs> That's kind well, of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thank God. <laughs> thank God, Just, shit's weird. We got jobs. As what's what's the old Seinfeld quote about? Like, you know, they pay me to sit around and think about this stuff for hours and hours, writing his like famous pop tart joke or whatever. He just sat there and thought about. Oh, I remember it. See, reading about that. Yeah, that was not my process. That was a, that no. was a wild. Pro- I mean, yeah. you know, different strokes. Let's talk about that. What it, What is your process? If you had to say, how does David Borey write comedy? What would you say? Uh, well, I'll usually get like, I'll usually get either the premise or punchline from like conversation, to be honest, or like sometimes it'll be like, I'm just walking around thinking about shit. Or sometimes it'll be something I've kind of thought, cause I'm like not quick to write something down. So if I have an idea that thinks it's, that I think is good, I'll kind of let it just marinate in my head for a while. Like I don't, you know what I mean? If it's good, I'll remember it. But uh, I tend to like, it tends to be stuff that comes up in casual conversation, whether it's like a punchline or if it's like if a premise for me now, it's like a premise is what I'd rather start with. Uh-huh. And then I'll come with like, so I'll usually get a premise and then sit down and write the one line to that and then the rest is just on stage riffing and talking it out you know i try not to say every bit exact like a lot of people are like very regimented in how they remember their bits i usually have like if i'm going to tell a bit i'm like i need to hit these three beats everything else in between that can be Mm. fluid so that allows at least for me that allows for a lot of uh a lot of room for in the moment or you know what i mean like that bit you just showed i think the bit was initially like magic school bus magic and science and then maybe like one other line uh-huh. and then all that other stuff comes from just like getting into it differently and like backing it up behind another joke so maybe now the intro is different and then that opens up new ground and like, I'm like, oh, well, this makes more sense to start this way. So it's like my jokes were like, like if you to watch that joke over probably, I don't know, when was that was like five, six years ago. So I probably that joke was probably two years old at that time. If you watch that joke from when I first started telling it to when I put it on TV, because that's like. For me, that's like when it's done, like, okay, I'm not writing this bit anymore. You know what I mean? It's gone. Yeah. Uh, you probably could have seen it in, you know, six or the order would have been completely different. The punch, the first punch would have been the last, like, I, I really mix it all up. 
until you kind of get that special blend. It's a good point. Like uh, leaving yourself some space within your bits to, especially when you said, if you transition from another joke, now you can even maybe connect those differently depending on the order of your set. So give yourself the space, have the beats, have the blueprint, but give yourself room to be in the moment. That's really wise. Yeah. That's always, that's always how it worked for me. And that's, I think, because when I first started, I really, I really, I just, you know, you want to be a good joke writer, especially when you first start, you're like charisma, who cares? I got to be a <laughs> genius. <laughs> and then uh, elephant in the room came out. Maybe I had been doing comedy for a year or two. And when elephant in the room came out and I saw it, and I was like, well, that's what I would like to do. I would like it. I would like to talk to people. And then there's jokes in there. And, and like that kind of like that kind of style for me really helped me out and like kind of freed me to open it up and like, let me do what I wanted. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that before, but it's, it rings. We've, we've talked about that. Me and Brian have talked about it when you're starting, you know, everyone starts with like a different dealt hand, you know, like a lot of people come uh, with no stage uh, experience no perf- they're not a perf- natural performer but they have a few jokes right and you, and you do kind of focus so hard on writing the jokes maybe in the beginning that you you forget that this is a at least a two-sided coin it really is. And, and like and i think for me too it, it, it took being in stand-up a long time and then just like the people that i'm drawn to are the people with great jokes but you gotta have something i don't i like 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 they're like that's what a lot of people like but me personally i've always liked it like i like the performance aspect of it yeah i mean i think we, we've seen some some local guys here do really well and and you know they're not necessarily savant joke writers but man their performance skills are so strong that it balances out so well they're quick on their feet with the audience and you got time to continue your joke your joke writing uh, journey as well and i mean joke writing is like you can sit down and you can write a hundred that other shit is the hard that's the hard stuff to do you know that's true you don't have control over your stage time necessarily no 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 and like how it happens i will say one thing that i've always been pretty big about too though as far as stage time is is obviously get all the stage time you can wherever whenever but don't be afraid like when i I remember when I first started, I would be so like afraid to get taken in like whatever the moment was, because I think I think I saw a documentary or something about New York (laughs) comics and they were like, oh, if you're a New York comic, somebody could take a shit in the audience. You're still going to tell that joke (laughs) for years, like somebody to be taking a shit in the audience. (laughs) I want to tell these jokes. And like I I, and I lost a lot of fun of comedy of that for years of being like you're in a room full of weirdos weird shit can happen you got to go with that like that's what you're, you're always going to do it tomorrow you're always that's what gonna people do are going to remember they're going to exactly. remember when you called out the thing in the room they're never going to remember all your your bits you know and that's what's fun man it's like the like i said about live performance it's organic it's moving it's like so much different stuff coming going like it's not a you know it's not it's not it's not a poetry recital you know 
Well, this week at the, this weekend at the riot, Amber Heard not invited. Um, hopefully, no one will be pooping. Did you? Well, I gotta room. send some texts then because <laughs> <laughs> I, I sent a whole email blast about it. Now you guys are <laughs> fucking with my money. <laughs> she was my feature. Yeah, so. <laughs> she's the variety act. <laughs> <laughs> That's the great thing about stand-up comedy too. You can do it for years, and then Amber Heard could go on tour and she'll sell more tickets than you. Uh, <laughs> it's That's like. True. How it's always going to be forever now. <laughs> yeah. So what about you mentioned briefly about waiting to write something down? Um, are you a pen to paper? Do you keep some sort of digital worksheet? Like how do you how do you store your your material that's kind of uh, in works in the works? I, I mean, at first it was notebooks, like everybody, and I just am too. I'm a lot more professional now, but when I first started, it's fucking partying, dude. So like, you know what I mean? Like I come to yeah. your town with like a backpack and a notebook, the high <laughs> chance I'm going to lose that notebook. <laughs> uh, so now it's just like, I keep, I keep premise notes or I keep like <clears throat> what I know the joke to be like, like in a few lines. And then I kind of jot those down because like, I'm also a big proponent of, I the way my brain works, I only ever have as much material as I'm doing at that mm-hmm. time. Does that make sense? Yeah, so if yeah. I if I'm doing a 10, I pretty much only have 10 minutes in my head. And same yeah. with an hour. And like, you know, it's uh-huh. it's really strange. So I like and my act is ever because I don't I'm not working towards I was, but then I kind of decided that I just want to have fun. So I'm not really working towards a special or anything right now. So my act is just ever, you know, this stuff is like the stuff leaving and this is the new stuff. It's just always kind of doing that. Yeah. You mentioned um, that you, you kind of have a, a, I don't know, a, a preference towards writing with premises or, or coming up with a good premise. Do you, what, what would you say is like something that gets you, a type of premise or something about a premise that gets you excited or gets you what, what are the, what, what's a good example or just like some things about a premise that you go, okay, there's some, there's some meat on this bone here. I mean, so much a comic comedy is like, I, I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm a pretty good guy. So I like, I like saying insane shit and I'm like <laughs> backing it up. You yeah. know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Or like forcing somebody to like, be on the side of something that they don't want to be because my point is so good. Sure. So it's like anything that's like, but not, but I don't want to do that in typical stuff. Like, like being a provocative, not, not like I'm not a provocateur or anything like that, but like there's so much stuff that's like really well trodden controversial ground. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I've heard yeah. so many abortion jokes, whatever side you are on it or so many like slur. Why can't I ty- say it type jokes or like so much. So like all that shit's kind of boring to me. I want to make you feel really uncomfortable <laughs> about kind of some new shit that we haven't like. So it's like, if it's like a new thing, and it doesn't seem that controversial, that's where I want to go and make it like weird or bend it around. 
but like yeah. because there is like there there's this level of comedy where it's like all these people who are like oh yeah I'm, I'm telling the truth blah 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 that shit's so boring they act like dudes haven't been doing that since the fucking <laughs> 80s dude oh I can't say it or now these new young guys want to be girls okay shut up dude <laughs> you know what I mean I don't I don't give a shit it's so boring it's so, so boring to me it's new to say topical like is there a good percentage of your stuff that's that's about more current events or is it no i think it's more just a just a different angle on a thing Mm. i want to see a new angle like that's what that's what gets me excited like like a new a new angle on a thing that's been done a ton because i think the current event stuff is kind of to me what gets more boring because it's like you know i mean shit you guys are in texas how many how many of those jokes have you heard since that happened yeah, it's pretty. How, it's pretty rampant. <laughs> is that fun? Is that fun anymore? Really? Like, yeah. It's, it feels like so much of comedy is that. Like, I always say, dude, I'm so glad I wasn't a comedian when like 9/11 happened, <laughs> or like all those all shit like that. You know what I mean? Or like, and it's like you see comics from different eras where they all have their thing. That's like, like, look at all these original alt comics, like Gen X comics. AIDS is always their thing. AIDS yeah. is always the punchline. Like, it's like that with AIDS. Because that was like <laughs> the most shocking thing at the time, which of course it was. Of course it was. It, that's, it yeah. was really, it's still kind of shocking now. But it's like all those kind of things that try to s- stay away from. Yeah, I think, I think also the way you do it um, shows off a lot of your personality, making it a little weirder. And, right. and shooting and making like choices and t- I mean, not many people have a magic school bus joke. Um, and it shows. I never thought about that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a couple out there, but um, I can't recall any off the top of my head. Uh, and yeah, I think it shows not. off a fun part of your personality that you're maybe maybe you know you're you have the I don't know just something something childlike and fun fun loving or something kind of comes through with that. Um, with just your choices of content and where you're writing the jokes from. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I also don't want to make jokes that will turn off people immediately. Mm. I right. like, I, I want you to be able to come with me on this ride. And I think a lot of times people, when they're just doing provocative shit mm-hmm. is like, don't get me wrong. I know it's a fight between you and the audience sometimes, but sometimes you're like asking them to clam up so you can be like, oh, wah! you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, I want people to listen to my jokes. Mm-hmm. I, I want, I want them to hear what I have to say. You know, do you like, I feel like Bill Burr kind of has that kind of vibe a lot, you know, make, make an outrageous claim. And then he's do, one of the best at it and show yeah. the math. You're right. Yeah. He's one of the best at it. Yeah. He he's up. Th- I mean, all these people that I really like, Burr, uh, like a Patrice, I thought was like, I like Patrice because I don't agree with him. And that was always <laughs> dope to me. Is like, yeah. dude, if you can make me laugh super hard at some shit, I'm like, that's wrong. <laughs> oh, man. That's the me. Like, that's why this thing is great, right? Yeah. Like, I've done bits about Christianity where I've had people be like, I go to church every week, but like, shit, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's what you want. That's like, I like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. What about um, preparing for a set, making set lists? Are you super um, intentional about that? Or is it, do you kind of walk up and play a little loose? What's your strategy as far as like, say you got a 15 minute set, are you prepping that out or are you just kind of playing it by ear? Well, I always kind of have 
you know, I always have the chunk that is the new shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like I always so like 15 or less. That's always what it's going to be is sure. like as much of that as possible. And then whatever, because I because I only write premises down too. I don't really retain a lot of my old stuff. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of jokes I did six years ago that I don't do just because I can't remember. them. You know what yeah. I mean? It's so a- like. So like for preparation, yeah, I kind of just like as much of the new stuff and then like let me open. I know it's going to I know the open's going to work. And I know the close is going to work and then everything else is whatever. With the longer sets it's a lot more intentional. With sure. like if I'm doing like 30 minutes plus, I, I I'll probably have a a general plan of how that's going to go. But sure. even that can get upended sometimes, you know, or like or if you feel like it's getting stagnant, you need to switch it up. Yeah, no one, will, no one will say they heard you do the same material too much because you don't remember it. No, that's really <laughs> the thing. Sometimes people will be like, "Man, you used to have this joke about brushing your teeth," and I'll be like, "That's crazy because I didn't even brush my teeth in 2015." So <laughs> <laughs> it's like big. What about uh, right before you go on stage? Do you have any sort of rituals or anything you do moments, be- minutes, and moments before you go on stage? No. I do you guys get panic a lot? I, I panic a lot. I, I especially like like if I haven't like let's say I'm going to do a weekend, but maybe I haven't done stand up in like three, four days. Right before I go on stage, I get that whole like, I don't even know how to do this. Every time <laughs> every time I've ever done this before has been a trick and the jig is up. They're finally gonna catch me and find out that I'm a complete fraud. Yeah. You know, so like panic, I guess panic is like a little fun game i like to yeah. play with myself <laughs> gives you that stage energy yeah yeah come out really scared that you don't know how to do the one thing that you're good at in your life <laughs> that's true though i think there's some part of uh you know we do so much in our home club that we're really comfortable there but if you're really taking a risk and doing a bunch of new stuff or whatever there's still those nerves and you need those nerves like if they were gone it should always be scary yeah it should yeah. always be stand-up should always be scary until you're done doing it yeah I, right? I was like i was in new york and got a weird last minute opportunity to pop up and do a set at the brooklyn comedy club and i only knew that i was going to go on stage like two minutes before i went up and so i didn't have a lot of time to panic yeah. <laughs> it was almost the best ever because i just it was just like hey you want to go up yeah okay you're up next and i just walked up and so I didn't have time to panic. And I was like s- strangely, weirdly comfortable because I didn't have time to think about it. Because <laughs> no. all you got is your jokes. That's the only <laughs> yeah. thing you got, man. Everything yeah. else could change. Like <laughs> I've definitely had that like getting off a plane. I've had that getting off a plane and been like, oh, shit, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. And then like get to the venue and they're just like, you're next. And you don't even have, you know what I mean? You just yeah. float on and you do it. You fill the time. As long as you fill the time, always do your time. You'll be fine. Don't yeah. give any time back to the room. I don't know what that is. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> hey, stage time's hard to find. You got to soak up every last drop. I when I see, I went to an open mic recently. I saw these young guys, and they were like, "I'll give my time back to the room." And it's like, what? It was four minutes. That's like some sort of court proceeding thing. Like, yeah. I, I yield my time to the yeah, speaker. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> Fart not- into the mic. Do something. <laughs> it's four minutes. You got it. Riff on literally anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it all. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, let's let's bring you to our last segment. Uh, it's it's called uh, Last Laugh. We do it to everybody. So let me play a quick thing. We'll get you into it. Weird, dude. I know. But uh, <laughs> here's what we do. So uh, it's your last laugh, uh, David Bohr. You, uh, what is what do you want written on your tombstone? It could be your joke. One of one of your heroes' jokes. What's written on your tombstone? Uh, this is just a joke that I used to hear in San Francisco, and it made me laugh so much. It's this guy, Sammy Franco. He's a doctor now, but he used to be like a dude who was in roller skates and jumpsuits. Really interesting guy. But he had this joke where he would say, uh, so my mailman's a woman, San Francisco. <laughs> and I, it, it's so funny to me so yeah, i would put that because it's also it. like what the fuck what did this guy do <laughs> some sort of strange progressive unprogressive joke <laughs> yeah like i don't know where he really stands on anything i can't tell i mean he is in the nra cemetery but you know <laughs> that's good <laughs> i'm not man. really in the nra it was just the most absurd place i could think that i would be buried right. Right. <laughs> well let's get uh we're, we're, well of course we got you coming up the riot this weekend in houston so if you happen to be in houston on friday or saturday night come check out david uh tickets at the riot htx.com uh other than that david where can people find you up uh, instagram i i got in a thing about twitter and I had to get out of there. Instagram, I post my dates on there. Uh, my website, I, I post my dates on Instagram. Or, you know, listen to All Fantasy Everything podcast. I'm the new co-host of uh, My Mama Told Me with Langston Kerman on Big Money Hustlers Network or Big Money Players. And, uh, you know, yeah, other than that, I'm around, man. Don't worry about it. So uh, it's at, <laughs> at, at CoolGuyJokes87, at CoolGuyJokes87 on Instagram. And uh, thanks for doing the show, man. We really appreciate having you. No problem. Thanks for having me. And yeah, uh, thank you, everybody good. out there for listening. This has been Breaking Down Bits. See you later. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website breakingdownbits.com or shoot us an email at breakingdownbits at gmail.com.